0: talk about revolution that's going a little bit too far so love me love me
1: love me i'm a liberal
0: hello and welcome back to another fun exciting episode of more like the worst wing uh our podcast where we take a look at aaron sorkin's seminal work the west wing from a modern day leftist 2019 socialist perspective i am dave and i am Stu. And you would think we are here to discuss the quote-unquote true opener of season three, (laughs) uh, entitled Isaac and Ishmael. Uh, However, we are not because that episode is a fuck. Uh, And we are just going to talk about it for a couple minutes here to drag it to hell and back.
1: So if you haven't noticed the sort of the timeline of when this show was... Released, or perhaps if you are, I don't know, 18 years old and listening to our show and uh, weren't alive when this happened, um, season three of The West Wing started airing shortly, or actually, I think if Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, was scheduled to begin airing basically. Uh, on september 11th 2001
0: (laughs) uh shortly after like october um so what happened here is the plan was to just transition straight from the quote-unquote cliffhanger ending of season two into the actual episode we will be discussing on this episode of our podcast which is entitled manchester part one which is the true opener of season three uh and that plan got derailed by a little thing called the uh 9-11 attacks so in record time uh three weeks they shot uh wrote shot and recorded uh this episode which uh i believe the cast uh, in their little intro to it describes as a play uh it is it is officially out of continuity and out of canon uh and it's basically just sort of like this middle school psa about how you can't go around blaming every arab for 9-11
1: yeah it is fundamentally condescending and yes to an american audience frankly i'm sure this played just fine and came off as somewhat sympathetic and i'm sure at the time yes at the time if if the the show was understood to be as as i mean in retrospect it clearly is if this show was the the lens and the filter through which a huge number of people um both were informed less so informed but almost interacted with and plugged into quote unquote big p politics politics exactly yeah i can i can understand why why they would feel it could be incumbent upon them the writers the staff like the the cast whoever to do such a thing yeah but it is just
0: it doesn't work at all it falls so fucking flat and again it's the, so just, preachy and just so condescending it's literally written as like i i'm not kidding when i say it's like a middle school psa it feels like it's something that would be shown to middle schoolers to well, help it, them they, under, understand 9-11, you know like
1: when well, and it is middle
0: it's it's they do bring in maybe they, bring uh, uh, they bring in, in kids right like and literally class of talk children. to them yes and and the kids are meant to be a surrogate for you the audience uh, so that the uh, your favorite characters of the West Wing can can sit them down and explain to them why, look, not everyone wearing a turban is bad now, okay? I just want to make sure we're all clear on that. And
1: at the time... Which,
0: of course, is a fine message or whatever, but it's just so sure. condescending. And, and it's just at, like... It's just at the time... It's the bare minimum. Like, having
1: having decently formed memories yeah
0: there was going to be no nuanced opinion about 9-11 formed three weeks after the attack (laughs) obviously obviously
1: Uh, uh, again for those of you who are younger than 26 27 who didn't have a perspective uh, in 2001 it was especially in retrospect it was a fucking nightmare time oh yeah like it the bush years are just
0: insane looking back it's... There
1: was, there was no, there was no subtlety. There was, it was just, we think, we think racism in the Trump era is, you know, at a certain level, like, yeah, but we've been there before. Oh, oh. yeah.
0: Oh, I remember people cheering as those fucking missiles were just hitting mm-hmm. up Iraq, you know? And it's, uh, why? Because Iraq did it? No, no, no. Just because they happen to be brown too. And the national anger was at such a point that... Okay, but we're not here to talk about the for, that or... for all, all episode and we have plenty of other foreign policy crap to cover in the actual episode. So let's just dig right into the real episode we're here to discuss uh, Manchester Part 1, which picks right up from the end of season 2 where we literally get a reenactment of the final scene of Two Cathedrals uh, with the press conference with the president. This scene Much, much better, uh, simply just from the omission of music uh, from the scene, where we just, it's a much more natural, here's, like, how it actually went down, not in the, like, dramatic way it was framed in the end of two cathedrals, but, like, oh, here's how it actually happened. And it's really good. It's a lot better. And frankly, to their
1: credit, including it as such, is kind of them, because you are when that scene was presented originally at the conclusion of the last season, I mean, viewers are keyed up emotionally. You know, Correct. They're, they're being manipulated by the filming itself, by Correct. the inclusion of, yes. you mentioned the music and all this stuff. So, okay, it is actually, you know, a nice touch to put it back in to both ground the viewer in what the hell is going on and also being like, actually, okay, it happened like this. And right. so therefore we can now take it forward from the correct perspective
0: right and of course we get the big payoff which is that he says yes he's going to run again and he's going to win um what he does he does
1: the signature move and we actually get a shot of him putting his hands in his pockets and we get to see that president ass baby
0: get to see see it pop (laughs) pop a little bit when he uh, when he rocks back (laughs) and forth a little got a little got a little junk in the trunk i'm sure abby does not uh mind uh (laughs) (laughs) that thick ass that that he doesn't he doesn't have a hank hill ass (laughs) (laughs) uh so we we cut straight from that to uh cj kind of in a state of shock pulling up to air force one um as she is now on the campaign trail with bartlett uh this is four weeks later as a title card helpfully informs us and so it's been a month and they are just about to kick off uh, Bartlett's campaign in earnest, like do a full announcement speech uh, campaign event, you know uh, officially declare that you know that the Bartlett campaign for 1996 for however the fuck the years work in this weird continuity yeah. is ready to begin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and so it is we should note here that the entirety of the episode is constructed from a there's a flashback and then back to the what's understood to be the present. The four weeks it, later time. Correct. Yeah, the four weeks later time, because what they're doing is they are evaluating the aftermath of the president agreeing to run again and putting it then in context of what's happening a month down the road. And right. uh, the only note I made was that in this one, the cues are not nearly as explicit as they were in the last several episodes worth of flashback having. Right. There is no fade to white and then wash back in. It is a more subtle and uh, I mean, OK, technically Clumsy. neat I- well I would like, call I,
0: it clumsy honestly it's just like I I think the the flash to white thing worked a little better or it was more the the theming of the flashbacks was more clear in yes. the last one
1: and and it is it is a um it is technically show offy because they have someone walk across the frame in real time and you know that was that forward. was
0: show offy back then i feel yes. like nowadays <laughs> it's, it's starting to hit that overused it's bog standard yeah. you know it's 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 actually starting to get played out um, mm-hmm. in my mind but yeah so and it drove uh, me a little
1: nuts throughout i just want to make
0: that <laughs> point yeah there are a couple cool ones that I'll, i want to bring up um, when we get to him. So first off we get a a, flo- a rush of new characters where all of a sudden everyone's talking about Doug, this Doug guy, you know, Doug, <laughs> we all remember Doug, right? He was yeah, a regular Doug, man. He was just off screen the whole time. He was back behind Josh. <laughs> uh, he agreeing was hang- with
1: everything I said. Yeah.
0: He was grabbing fruit out of Sam's office. You just yeah. didn't see him. There were staffers in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> so D- Doug's played by, uh, I don't know the actor's name off the top of my head, but he's, uh, Charlotte's second husband from sex in the city perfect Um, yeah the bald jewish guy um funny enough uh sex in the city and the west wing were airing basically concurrently uh although the west wing would run a little longer uh than sex in the city but the west wing did not get two smash box office hit movies so points for sex in the city i guess
1: i'd also like to clarify that the west wing technically did get one middlingly reviewed box office movie called the american president it just happened to be released before the west wing that's
0: that's a good point i don't know that's all about the president's dating life though whereas bartlett's just been (laughs) married the whole time and true we we never even get like a hint of a affair or anything that's not even a well that they try to tap at all there's no there's no infidelity or even teased infidelity uh whatsoever uh but anyway we'll get back to abby in a minute uh so right now we flash back um so on the plane they're all talking about so doug is i guess the campaign speechwriter, as opposed to like toby and sam who are his full-time speech writers because doug is constantly in conflict with toby mostly um about language uh that they're going to use for the speech and basically whether or not they want the president to officially apologize or not for the ms scandal Uh, where Doug is on the side saying he should apologize because at some point they're going to force him to apologize. And at that point he'll have done it because he was forced to by like public opinion. And so it's better to kind of get proactive out of the way. Whereas Toby is on team. No, no apologies.
1: And so I think it's understood that Doug works closely with another recurring character, Bruno. Yes. Um, Ron Silver. I I think we saw Bruno Gianelli once I Before. believe so. I believe as, one like he's time, the as a he's consultant the, or something. Yeah, he's like the real, um, like the razor sharp. He's, uh, he's you the know, Carl don't Rove of the campaigns yeah. for
0: for the left, though. Yeah. Um, yep. Basically, yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: And we also get a an a, a another person who is related to Bruno, who I think you're right. Her name is Connie, and the actress is Connie Brighton. Oh yeah. Like uh, the, she's the, from a woman
0: at the end, uh, in the bar with all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Just... She, like she's the female Doug essentially where she kind of shows up <laughs> out of nowhere. It's like, I was here the whole time. Like <laughs> Doug and Connie, you know, us your favorite characters. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she
1: was Tammy Taylor on Friday night lights for the, um, who never do no. other, other television. But I think she's also, uh, more famous now because she does that. Um, she did the, the country music show, uh, Fuck. I, I, God damn, Nashville. She oh, was, she was the lead on Nashville.
0: Oh, okay. So anyway, um, so we,
1: we have a slew of guest stars that come, right? it's also, it culminates so all, in all these
0: new, and they're going to be recurring, you know, yes. they're going to come up over the next few episodes. Cause they are like quote unquote campaign staff. Um, and it, I guess it just gives our characters a different dynamic to bounce off. Um, and, and there's like, they're trying to set up this rivalry, I guess, between Doug and Toby, but like, no one cares. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I certainly don't care. I'm just like, okay, are you going to... Like, we're going to do stuff? Or we are we're right. just going to, like, have these characters talk? at each? It's it's very strange. Um, right. So we we, fl- we flashback
0: yeah, from from the campaign stuff on Air Force One, where they're all kind of freaking out about speech stuff, to the night after, right when he uh, announced his re- re-election, and we cut back to the staff, and they're all crazy excited, because, like, I guess none of them besides Leo actually you know, thought he would do it. Um, so like Sam and, and Josh are like smiling and they're asking Toby, why aren't you smiling? He's like, I'm smiling on the inside, which is a cute little Richard shift moment. Uh, so they're all very happy and excited. And then they're, but they're thinking about like, Oh my God, you know, the media is going to do this. We got to start doing this. And they kind of start getting like their plan in the air for how to address the PR angle of it. Uh, and this is where uh, the polling comes into play um, because the one thing that they all agree on is we need more polling on this right now. We need polls in the field.
1: You get it's
0: almost, um
1: like the last time when the characters were splitting the discussion of we need to have a meeting about this. We need to decide tonight. Oh, there's a meeting tonight. There's a meeting tonight. It's that. It's or, that joke it's exactly. That- exactly except over again except yep. talking about we need to put a poll in the field a poll right in the field immediately right. and, <laughs>
0: and, ex- and expressing why the first poll was stupid um because <laughs> you know a governor of an industrial state isn't the same thing as president bartlett who has an inherent trustworthiness because he's the president and blah 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 blah, blah and they lay out all these factors uh, that's less interesting and we'll cover the polling uh analysis a little bit more later um what i found interesting and i'm sad that the episode didn't really dig into it more and i think later episodes will uh is abby um abby's reaction to all this because basically they they had the deal that he was going to be a one-term president uh, and so he's just kind of fucking knock that down, uh, and the the very first thing we see after he's done with that is he goes back to I guess the Oval or their residence or somewhere. But the point is, it's just him and Abby alone, uh, and Abby's like, "Well, that was a fine. How do you do? <laughs> uh, you want to talk yeah. about it, hon- honey?" <laughs> and. Uh, um so unfortunately they can't get too into it because uh haiti is calling which is the other big issue of this episode uh and haiti calls him away to the sit room before they can really get into it but i really like the interaction between him him and abby here um i do have a note that says i i kind of wish abby had it said explicitly we had a deal and then bartlett could bust out the vader i am altering (laughs) the deal pray pray i do not alter it any further further. abby
1: But of course, we we get a we get a little tinge of that, and then it's sort of left behind for the rest of the thing because then we get into the the Haiti thing. Um, yeah, Haiti is basically they're they're figuring out how to extract their personnel um, yeah. from the and, embassy
0: and uh, and their their coup leader. Oh, and and their
1: their <laughs> puppet coup. Their, their are they're, wa- they're Juan they <laughs> yeah. Juan. Do it for Juan. <laughs> so. They they go through that and there's a scene in the sit room. Um Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll okay,
0: hang on. No, I gotta talk about this real quick. So, after the scene in the sit-room, which is, you know, just kind of generic military, oh, our boys are gonna go in, blah, 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 extract the guys, blah, blah. So, after he, they talk about the plan and he gives his okay or whatever, they all they, um, I think it's Nancy who yeah. just goes, uh, Mr. President and the, he kind of, like, looks up and they all just stand and start clapping. <laughs> uh, yeah. presumably applauding his decision to run for re-election again and it feels extremely fucking gross. Yeah. Like, all the military leaders are saying yay yay let's just keep the same man in power yay like uh. so and i i wrote i get it's respectful i guess but like oh it just it feels very weird well
1: i think you're correct and i think in the in in context it is bizarre because theoretically um a the executive and the military should be not um not joined at the hip, let's say, right. and so you would think that you would be able to professionally divorce campaign politics from utilizing military power, but I think that is also part of the American um, oeuvre. Like there's, right. there's just this is intrinsically that we are always militarying, like we are we are militarizing all the time.
0: Well, and, and I mean, like they're they're clapping for the fact that they get to keep their jobs for four years longer, essentially. Like, you know, assuming he wins, which spoiler alert, he will, obviously. Uh, but like, you know, I guess a, a few of these would keep under even a Republican presidency. It's not like they change out the Joint Chiefs, all, uh, you know, every time. Yeah. But you know, at this, you know, they do change out a lot. So it's just I don't know. It feels weird. It just feels weird.
1: And it's also, it hadn't been emphasized earlier that, like, this was almost a throwaway plot point for the last two episodes where we're Haiti talking about in general? military, yeah. yeah, like military options yeah. in Haiti all of a sudden. It's like, oh, right. okay. Oh, yeah.
0: And then all of a sudden, like, the framing around Haiti this episode is so weird where Doug is like, he's he's in the future timeline when discussing how Haiti went down. He says he saved Haiti for democracy uh, by by invading it, apparently. Huh. <laughs> Or and by like evacuating the embassy personnel and and, sh- and shooting up a bunch of guys, I, which is we yeah we we can talk about that a yeah, little. Yeah, let's more. just yeah let's get right into it. So basically, their their planned rescue op goes bad, um, which basically every time we cut to the sit room, something always goes bad. Uh, uh, nothing ever goes perfectly hundred percent smooth. Um, you know, I guess, I guess the point is much like real life, you know, there's very few times we take military action and it goes a hundred percent as smoothly as we anticipated it would. And it uh, wouldn't be very dramatic if it was just like, they it stopped in. Right. He
1: said, he said, yeah, it worked. And then he was just like, okay, cool. I'm going back. All right. Upstairs. All right done. <laughs> I'm not, now I don't have to worry yeah. about that
0: problem anymore.
1: <laughs> but the, and we, we touched on it earlier that Haiti is almost, it's just that they, they select a place that is supposed to be understood to americans as being you know your your proverbial shithole right yeah you know
0: throw it throw a dart anywhere in the global south and pick that you know country exactly and so the the coverage of it here just seems
1: i don't i don't know we are making a large deal out of something that is a we're sleeping in the the u.s is sleeping in the bed that it made clearly because yes quote-unquote saved it for democracy they saved it for america's puppet our, version our pu- of our democracy. Pu- puppet,
0: puppet dictator or whatever yeah um, yeah well and then so so we're extracting the embassy personnel i believe as well as the the wan uh and so they've got two or three helicopters of uh of troops when they say they're going back to Paris, I assume they mean Paris, Texas, and not Paris. No, Paris, it's
1: Paris is the, the code name for the aircraft carrier.
0: Oh, okay. I thought they meant the actual city of Paris. Thank yeah, you no. for clarifying. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, they're going into Port-au-Prince. Uh, they're just going to extract these guys and head out, but they get into some fire with some Haitian militia. Um, they, take, they, ki- they kill a lot of the Haitian militia, uh, and some of the Marines get wounded. I don't think any Americans die but they are wounded. Um, I think they are clear to make that distinction because I think if Americans had died, it would have been a bigger deal and then we would have to be like full on war with Haiti uh, (laughs) or something like that as opposed to just invading Haiti. Uh, but basically it all goes to shit and, um, uh, there's a really great transition here from the sit room environment back to the, to the bar that all the campaign people are hanging out in where they cut to, uh, a, a, some sort of helicopter based video game where the helicopters getting shot down shot and down. crashing, uh, <laughs> and game overing right from the sit room. And it's, it's like a top tier all time transition for me, uh, yeah. where I was just like, yes, That's <laughs> that, exactly entered- what that entertained me more than most of the jokes on the show. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and they eventually they go down the road of talking about like how do, how else do we enact American foreign policy desires on a sovereign country?
0: Right. Okay. So yeah, this is why I want to talk about too for a quick second is they have the the Oval Office meeting uh, about Haiti, which is a very different tone from the sit room one where um, this one guy I want to this the 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 state guy that they've had in before the little squirrely looking guy. Yeah, the bald guy with the glasses. Yeah, that guy. Exactly. Um, he's the one who who actually admits that sanctions don't work, uh, that sanctions suck, and that they hurt the wrong people. Uh, and then later on, the president will go on to confirm that sanctions do not work, and that they suck, and that they hurt the wrong people. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this show that is all of a sudden uh, admitting that sanctions are bad? uh because i remember sanctions being thrown around in the last couple seasons as like a fine option uh to pursue it's and it's it's, yeah. it's weird it's like it's they're trying to dig out and i guess i should praise them for this because this is kind of lefty a, a little leftist at least to admit that that sanctions are bad pointless and they hurt the wrong people but then at the same time they go on to basically invade haiti so it's <laughs> not i'm not really yeah. gonna give them any fucking bonus points here <laughs>
1: But Yeah, and it, it is all, it's all—it's all an extension of them just
0: deciding what what sovereignty is worth preserving. Diplomacy isn't even mentioned as yeah. a, as oh, an no. option. By the way, like sometimes that state guy will be like, "Well, we could try to pursue diplomatic options," and they'll be like, "There's no time." But like he doesn't even get to do that this time. He just talks about sanctions and how they're bad. Uh, the the talks of diplomacy isn't even isn't even considered. You know, it's just how do we imperial our way out of this? And I mean, it
1: more than anything, it also just it goes to hammer home that the West Wing writers aren't even uh, aren't even sort of versed in like a modicum of no. modern diplomatic no. results. And this this whole plot arc is still just like a throwaway. I hope I, I would think maybe to keep keep the more fucking jingoistic chud type viewers engaged I guess, I guess because it's or, a show it's just, about politics It's about hard hard,
0: de- hard men making hard decisions like that's yeah. what all, all the war stuff always boils down to for me it's just that that he gets to make a hard decision because it costs lives right there in that moment and oh you viewer you couldn't possibly handle the moral burden of of having lives on your hands <laughs> yeah no, never mind making like health and you know <laughs> yeah uh, poverty like, alleviation life, and death, and life and death decisions for millions of times yeah. your own citizens no <laughs> um let's take a quick break here because we've been chatting for quite a while and then uh we'll we'll cover the rest of the episode and dig more into these issues So um, they actually have sort of a meta discussion about Haiti in the future timeline uh, or in the actually in both timelines. Um, They discuss it back then, too, where they discuss the idea that it's going to look bad if uh, the president has to, you know, take action on this because it's going to look like he's trying to distract from the MS issue by ginning up a nice, easily, quote-unquote, winnable uh, foreign conflict, essentially, uh, and and basically bo- boosting his popularity by using the military power of the president to uh, to get a foreign policy goal, quote-unquote, accomplished, um, while, while being able to, you know, kind of downplay the MS domestic story at home.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, you wrote it, wrote it perfectly. I mean, he's basically, they're they're worried that he's going to get accused of wagging the dog.
0: Exactly. Precisely that. So, um, which is, you know, on the one hand, it's a fair, it's a fair thing to be worried about, but on the other hand, you can't control that. So, you know, if Haiti needs to be dealt with, you have to fucking deal with Haiti right now, and you can't worry about the the perception of it, you just have to deal with it. Um, yeah, so... Well, there's nothing.
1: There's also nothing fake
0: about the conflict. Like correct, yeah, they're not ginning it. They are not (laughs) ginning it up. However, um, I think it does affect what will happen later on in this episode, which is sort of the climactic moment with CJ, where. Really what they're trying to say is like, we have to be careful with how we frame the Haiti story. It can't look like we're trying to be opportunistic about it. And of course, uh, unfortunately, that's basically what CJ's slip up ends up doing. It makes it look like the White House is happy to, to have this sort of wag the dog scenario that will allow them to distract from the MS scandal, yep. um, because that's exactly what happens in the press room. So yeah,
1: we do we do get further down the road in the in the night after the MS announcement timeline, where CJ is giving several press conferences, basically because of course they've made her available, you know, right. to try and defray yeah, and, the public's anger.
0: And this is the biggest story of like you know the yeah, hypothetical decades, century, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly in in within the West Wing universe. Yeah, um, lucky them. And so uh. she's she's giving
1: these press conferences, and and frankly. Just getting exposed to ludicrous questions from right. the as, press.
0: As Josh says, where he's kind of doing running commentary out on the press conference watching it, it's getting away from her a little. Yeah. <laughs> and they're trying they're trying to make CJ the story. Um so it's it like she's getting hammered with all these questions about how did how long did you know? Did you ever lie? Blah blah blah. And it's like all this stuff that really you know, like this is stuff lawyers should be asking her, not in a press room. You know, with with fifty people all screaming at her, so it kind of gets away from her. And then when she finally goes to report about some of the details about the Haiti thing, uh, she she has this uh, moment where she. She's she fucks up hardcore and says, um, I think the president is relieved to be focusing on something that matters uh, in regards to Haiti. And it's like, did you just say he's relieved (laughs) to be sending fucking U.S. troops into battle? Uh, And she instantly realizes how bad she fucked up. I really kind of like Jenny's reaction as soon as she's out of the press room and like Toby and Josh are like, what in the fuck was that? And she's like, I know I just like, just just don't shut up, up, just give me a second, just shut the fuck up. I know I fucked up. (laughs) Like, and frankly, I mean, I would
1: be angry too. um, Yeah. Like it's a big,
0: it's a big fuck up to be fair. Yeah.
1: And you know, as again, because the show itself frames all these issues up and, and sets up all of the conflict around speech writing around delivering news around, around words, words yes. and framing them to have her bungle it when it is her sole sort of like her proprietary responsibility is to be right. good at that. Is right, and she
0: never fucks up this bad. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's a she, big deal. She has made mistakes before, but they've been relatively minor in the grand scheme of things or or easily fixable or whatnot. This is the first time, it feels like it's a season, you know, back in season one when they were writing her more amateurishly, this feels like a little bit of that breaking through. And it's just, but it's done better because you can tell it's because of the stress and just like, you know, she's worn down from from all of this, you know, and it's 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 a, it's a good moment. It's played well. You know. Yeah. So, oh yeah, uh, we get a brief diversion with Charlie and Oliver Babish, uh, where they just talk about the fact that Charlie's going to be, you know, um, subpoenaed and, you know, we'll have to provide testimony for you know, every conversation he's had with the president, if the president ever, you know, asked him to get an aspirin or something like that. And Charlie's like, yeah, no problem. I'm not going to lie about nothing. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, well, it's not just that they're going to drag your ass back in a month later. And they'll ask you the exact same questions. And if you change your answers, even a little, uh, that's called perjury. And then you're arrested. Uh, so Charlie's like, okay, so I guess I need a lawyer. How much would that be? And however, Babbage is like, uh, about a hundred thousand fucking dollars. Yeah. C- cough it up minimum wage worker <laughs> serious
1: and and you know it's actually probably illegal for the president to help you pay for that so yeah.
0: oh most certainly i, I guess good luck <laughs> yeah like i guess charlie has to go into like severe personal debt and bankruptcy yeah. just for doing literally nothing wrong uh i love america hooray <laughs> what yeah. a system
1: and so after that i mean we get a little bit more back and forth about like the press reaction we we cut again just somewhat confusingly back and forth between timelines but down yeah, the road for no
0: no real reason it feels like it's just kind of yeah. like it feels like there's a kid with a switch in the editing room going like wee <laughs> back back and forth at random well, and and so kind of we
1: close out the episode just from the on the plot wrap up side of things we close out with Leo going to visit the president at his
0: ranch. <laughs> his fucking dude ranch. Like, what in the fuck? We are oh. uh, like... Uh, is this common in New Hampshire to have like a big old big old cow ranch out in the middle of nowhere? I mean
1: New Hampshire's barely big ol' anything. Like how many cow ranches can you have? It's only it's <laughs> can a you tiny fit in that, state. In that
0: tiny state. Exactly. Um I don't know. It feels weird. It feels very esque. Oh, like yeah. why does why does he have like a big cow ranch of all things? Like when I picture Bartlett's home, I picture like some traditional ass New Hampshire, you know, family dynastic home that's been in you know you know, the Bartlett household generations. Like on know, a like town
1: square in a, exactly. in a city of 20,000 people or something. And they were the patrician right. that founded it back it's, in the day. It's,
0: and it's that, you know, old style American architecture kind of thing. Like, that's what I picture. Not him having, like, the fucking George W. Bush ranch where he goes to clear brush, Ugh. you know, when he's not campaigning. It's just weird. But anyway, so Leo's here basically just to uh, to to say hey should we apologize should we do all this should we should we delay your campaign speech because of oh yeah this side running issue of they're announcing ru 486 is going to be approved um the fda but it's going to happen on the exact same day that they're planning on starting the campaign uh so they don't they want they're thinking about delaying because you know they don't want the news Holy cycle to be shit. they want the news cycle to be entirely theirs and god forbid anything else happens which that seems like a laughable fucking (laughs) goal goal nowadays where the news cycle just gets eaten up by whatever fucking random thing that happens that day up to and including tweets
1: yeah and then the president is like it's cool we'll work it out i'm gonna win re-election and i seen
0: yeah and that's it like it's (laughs) just like He's like, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's game time, you know, but it doesn't feel very like climactic or, you know, it's not done dramatically. It's just done very matter-of-factly like, no, Leo, I'm just, I'm running again and I'm going to win again. And it's like, well, there, there goes all that conflict and drama.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, this episode is built, it's, it's a quote unquote two-parter because the next one is titled Manchester part two.
0: Yes. It's like. Um, it's a weird, weird way to end. Yeah. Uh, very, very lame ending. Um, so, yeah, that pretty much does it for the episode recap. Uh, any final thoughts before we dive into the issues? No, let's talk politics, baby. It's Woo-woo. good again. Awoo! Wolf, Wolf Howl. Howl. <laughs> you, If we ever met, there's just no telling. I might do, oh, oh.
1: So because most of the rest of this episode is devoted to like picking up and re-articulating these plot lines, there isn't too much in the way of politics to talk about outside of the Haiti thing. Mm-hmm. However, we would be remiss if we did not harp again on the ridiculous weight that the administration places on the institution of polling. Polls,
0: polls, polls. They they would love they would love brand airlines and the pole plane for real.
1: <laughs> um, so the the flashback to the aftermath of the president's press conference, and you see the fact that I have to clarify this when I talk about it, just it defeats the point of the anyway of the yeah. So <laughs> yeah. so you, you go back to the the aftermath, and they're having this little powwow with the senior staff in what I'm assuming is. Like the White House mess? I guess. Um, roughly. Because sure. they, they're pouring champagne or something. Yeah. Um, and we get the return of Joey Lucas, who is the, the resident pollster, basically, because they are all talking about, given how well the president performed at his press conference, right. we now need to measure...
0: Well, no- and it's that and it's now that the ms is not a secret anymore we can actually poll about the president's actual ms and not just give it to a hypothetical governor of a of michigan because polling about the president is going to be different than polling a hypothetical michigan governor you know because bartlett has an inherent trustworthiness factor since he you know campaigned for the whole nation and won the vote and, all, and- et cetera. Et cetera. <laughs> And, and just by saying that phrase, we are now in the
1: Nate Silver pundit <laughs> oh, yeah, of being like, oh, well, of course, there's this nebulous aspect of President Bartlett that people believe in their hearts. And here's the inherent contradiction, because guess what, guys? We're going to go try and put empirical data around that gut feeling. feeling. Yep.
0: Yeah, and so and- the the real thing that gets to me here is so when they, they run the poll and they commission the poll um as i said i'm not sure if i said it earlier but josh has a moment where he says put the pole in the field uh and it's delivered with such confidence and gravitas that it's the most surefire thing anyone on this administration has <laughs> has ever been sure of in their entire it's, life
1: it's like he's standing up and claiming that he's spartacus yeah, exactly <laughs> you, you watch you watch his face he's like looking slightly upward and he's just like Put the pole in the f- and because Joey had just walked through the door and it's like he's reacting to it. It's like Joey's just like yes, Josh, and, we're gonna bone and then down we will right make here. glorious gonna, love. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's gonna rule so much. And you know what, you guys, I don't even care if y'all watch. Like and Kenny will Kenny
0: will provide commentary. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> Kenny Kenny with the moans. Like it's just the the again we, we sort of they're they're um, tipping their hand in in this regard where it's like oh well we know this is you guys like being explicit about what you value right in and- uh, so like sort of the, how you conduct your administrative so, so
0: much of this i can't help but think of because they had access to so many advisors from the clinton white house and stuff like that that all of this is just coming from those people who, who must have loved polling with all of their fucking heart <laughs> and soul because that's all the uh, clinton was very poll driven and very like based his ideas off like well what polls well well what polls well and it's like that's not leadership that's just reacting. And polls will, you know, are garbage and will tell you whatever you want them to tell you. So here's the thing that really pisses me off in this episode, particularly when they're discussing the poll, when they get the results back. So Joey starts breaking it down of like, okay, his numbers are better than we thought, blah, 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 blah. And she gets to this one statistic where she's like, uh, at this point in the race... A president needs 40% of the country to say that they would vote for him or else there's not even a point in running the fucking election. And, 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 uh, thank Bartlett is at 41. Uh, so he is just over the minimum threshold. So it's okay. So what, if he was at 39, were you going to fucking put a halt to all of this shit? Like, is that, (laughs) is that the lesson here? Like if two points were different, you were going to be like, oh, no, kill the campaign. He can't possibly win. Like, it's just so stupid. It's so stupid. Well, and, and it's, again,
1: it, it's the, the Nate Silver, you know, am I a data guy or am I a pundit right. thing? Because it's clear that, um, and I mean, okay, in, in the television serialized show world, it's clear that whatever they wrote the poll to say, they would have continued Bartlett running for president. Of course, of so, course outside of that it's just tonally dissonant to be like we're gonna put some data right behind this we're gonna we're gonna do it and then it's like as soon as the data comes in it's like "Ah, uh, well it, it, you know data isn't right real and, data. And,
0: <laughs> and we wrote it to be whatever data we wanted it to be to allow the storyline to continue that's a great point where like you know, they they're the writers are making up the result of the poll, and and in their mind, though the way it, this is most dramatic, if is is he's barely above the acceptable threshold, meaning <laughs> you know you know it's not a doomed run, but it's anyone's game. That's the most dramatic, right? And that boils right into our next topic, which is campaign season in general and its use as dramatic device. Uh, so yeah, it's it's remarkably. Um consistent 20 years
1: down the road that it's like you almost can feel the writers like anticipating refocusing the thrust of the show yes because campaigning there is a goal and a binary outcome
0: yep and a defined timeline too so there's a counting clock you know you've got all the elements inherent for for perfect drama you have a winner a loser and a game clock. It's sports. It's sports at its finest. You know, it's the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's drama at its most basic core. Uh, who will win? Who will lose? And you see why the media covers elections this way. And you can see why the writers will go back to this well again later on with Santos and Vinnick uh in the in the later years of this show uh when they feel that you know the 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 Bartlett storyline is basically petering out to nothing uh it a, a great way to infuse fresh fresh ca- drama is campaigns you know pres- presidential campaigns are the perfect dramatic storyline
1: yeah and the it becomes this trope of the horse race because it is factually and inescapably easy to write around to craft stories around to involve in your narrative and so it's no fucking wonder we have you know entire news networks that embrace this style of analysis, yeah, and we have anything. we
0: have whole websites like the aforementioned Nate Bronze's Five Thirty Eight that is just yeah. entirely dedicated not not to political commentary in general, but elections in specific, and more even more specifically, uh, the numbers fuckstein analysis of polling in particular, and trying to divinate from the bones of poll of polls being cast on the ground, and and what can they tell us. Uh, but meanwhile, let me, you know, get my head up my punditry ass and, and try to, you know, divorce divorce all this from the numbers and make just some gut feeling guesses too. It, it's all so stupid. And I mean,
1: it is, it's obvious in a way why that is a natural outcome, because not only is it easy to craft narratives, it is also easy to then sort of self anoint as the diviner, like you said, of those narratives because if you have a multi-billion dollar conglomerate pushing your views Mm -hmm. you don't even you don't even need to have established a particular i think nate silver is coasting on 2012 2012.
0: yep forever forever
1: but it uh, to to be frank i don't think he even would have needed that in his quiver if he had been identified as the guy that was going to be the go-to right because as soon as you put yourself out there and are invested in, with this identity, as some sort of, you know... Um, Divinator. I don't want to say, yeah, I don't want to say Cassandra, but like... False Cassandra. You, you know, it's, yeah. Um, Everyone believes
0: him, but he's always wrong. It's, it's reverse it's, it's Cassandra. It's super
1: easy. It's super easy to just go because... You, you have the best of both worlds. Right. If you're wrong, you can say, oh, well, these, these things, uh, and you it's, have an authority. It's not a
0: science. It's, you know, uh, it's, uh, there's an inherent margin of error, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, you can just dismiss that and, that way. And when you're right, and you, if get you're right claim, you get to claim sweet, sweet victory.
1: And, and then furthermore, you get to not only claim victory, but then roll that forward and say, well, this is how it's going to come out. In the future, you know, if you because you know, I was right a couple that data time. points, because I was right before, like, I've got this model now that's going to be infallible. Right. Going forward. Even when the so, model
0: breaks entirely. <laughs> Michigan. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: so you can see why it's easy f- and, and frankly appealing sure. to the writing staff to go down this road, which we inevitably will yeah. at great length.
0: Well, what's what I find interesting is the second time they do it, they do it a lot harder and bigger and longer, um, and other penile words for erections, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so this time it only takes up, like, the first half, roughly, of season three, I think, we get election day somewhere around the midpoint of this season, I want to say, um, I don't recall exactly, but that's, my recollection vaguely suggests that, whereas the next election, the big one between Santos and Vinick, towards the end of, uh, the show will take up, like, a season and a half, like, it starts halfway through Season 6 and lasts all of Season 7. So, yeah. you know, I find it interesting that the second time they went to the well, they they dove into the well.
1: And I, I think, to be fair, it is an indictment of the audience. And, frankly, if, I, if this was my job and I was getting paid for it and I had to do as little work as possible, <laughs> if I'm the writers crafting Season 6 and 7, I'm looking back at this and saying, like, wow, people really dug our shit in Season 3. What if we just, like tripled the amount of that bullshit we do
0: right and also i think it's just hard it was hard for them and we'll discuss this when we eventually get there to write how like a presidency wraps up and i think they weren't up to the task of doing that and also i guess there was a bit of like senioritis too of like you know we <laughs> all course. we all know the show's wrapping up at this point you know we all just want to kick off and and do whatever just write Write a debate episode where they just debate in real time, okay? Like, that way we don't have to... In Which, uh, spoilers alert, is a thing that happens. Uh, And that way we won't even have to do, like, episode structure for that episode. All right, guys! Breaks on!
1: Five five o'clock, drinks on me, (laughs) so... Yeah, and this this one, I mean, this is when it really kicks off because they they did the cliffhanger at the end of season two. We've got Bruno,
0: we've got Doug, we've got Connie, we have all these new campaign people. We are in campaign mode officially, yeah.
1: And it's only going to get worse for the next several episodes.
0: Uh, but, uh, you know, again, it's easy drama for a reason. It works. It, and it works yeah. actually pretty well. It works better here than it will in the later version where it, it does Oof. start to drag on for just, like, far too long. Uh, I think the accelerated time frame and the fact that th- we're still dealing with, you know, I- in the Santos and Vinic campaign, neither of them are president at the moment, so they they can basically do, um, give their full time to campaigning, whereas Bartlett has to constantly deal with the task of still being president as he campaigns which adds a an interesting dynamic to it at least um and, yep. and it keeps us more grounded back in the white house in the staffers lives and not just constantly in campaign mode uh which is good yep all, all right, right let's so take a nu- that's
1: about it let's take a break and
0: yep wrap it up sounds good <laughs> And that does it uh, for this particular episode of The Worst Wing. Thanks for joining us. as always, you can leave a helpful, delightful comment. We've been gained some great ones in the thread. Uh, we appreciate them, as always. We really do. Uh, every, every single one fills our hearts with joy and <laughs> ensures that we record for at least three more weeks. Yeah. This this <laughs> th- if, if this goes south, it's going to go south real fast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> our, our next episode is uh, unoriginally entitled Manchester Part 2. Uh, and we'll pick up right from where this one left off with more of the same of CJ dealing with the immediate aftermath of her screw-up with saying the word relieved, Uh, Josh dealing with the tobacco lawsuit, and uh, more of the campaign kickoff, uh, the debate about whether or not Bartlett should apologize, and the thing that I'm most looking forward to, uh, Abby and the president really having it out about him breaking his uh, one-term promise to her. Yikes. Relationship building...
1: And maintain like
0: I just like Stalker Channing when she's angry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She does She does an extremely good job in this show. All right. Uh, so I think
1: that's it for us this week.
0: Yes. Thanks for um, listening. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you next time on another Worst Wing. Bye. Bye-bye. Send all the money you asked for, but
1: don't ask me to come on along.